This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from AllComic.com, episode 116. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but also as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Lom Ramayasha, and today we've got a mega news catch-up to do. There's been a lot going on in the past couple of months since our last news roundup, so... We're reconvening to do a news episode and catch everyone up on some happenings, because there are a lot of changes in the works that uh, we're going to have to keep in mind going forward. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of news. It's one of those episodes, but, uh, you know, I... You know, I I just realized I I always I always call new epi- news episodes one of one of those episodes like like I have disdain for news episodes which I don't weirdly enough but like I don't know I th- th- these these like mega news episodes sometimes can be kind of tiring because there's so much to cover but you know the, we 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 still have a lot of interesting things to talk about you know the the the, the world the world is ever changing let's just say but. Manga news, thankfully, still still keeps coming out of the pipeline. I guess. There are fun things to talk about. In fact, the show will end on a discussion of fun things. So you can look forward to that. But yeah, in the middle, you know, we have to acknowledge stuff that has been happening because of the pandemic, stuff that's being delayed and stuff. So, you know, there will be discussion of that. But there's a broad spectrum of news that we're starting off with. And we're actually going to start off with something fun. We're going to talk about some of the recent uh, New York Times and book scan lists. Yes, and uh, I will be taking those over for right now. So uh, let's start off with the New York Times graphic books bestseller list for April. And uh, we actually have a few manga volumes on this list. Uh, uh, when, when this list started back up, it was really only My Hero Academia. But doing a quick count here, there are at least four manga volumes in particular on this list. So we're going to Kind of start from the bottom here. At number 15 overall on the list, we have Volume 8 of Dragon Ball Super, which I believe has been on the list before. Dragon Ball Super, not Volume 8 in particular. And then, uh, still maintaining a place on the list, at number 14, we have Volume 1 of My Hero Academia. Again, just a lot of people still getting into My Hero Academia, surprisingly enough. At number 12, we have Volume 11 of Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba. I want to say this is Demon Slayer's first... No, I don't think it's his first time on this list. I I want to say I've seen it on here before. I think it actually may be its first time, which is pretty cool. It seems that now people are really seeking out the manga, having got into the anime and wanting to read past the current place where the anime ends, so... That's really exciting to see Demon Slayer sales pick up here in North America like they have been in Japan. Mm, okay, I might have gotten it confused with the book scan list. It's weird having more than just the book scan list to talk about. <laughs> and then I think last but not least at number 11 on the list, we have volume 19 of One Punch Man. One Punch Man, I think this is its first time on, on this new New York Times list. It's definitely been a while, especially... Since the New York Times list came back, I don't think we've seen One Punch Man on here until now. But yeah, it's cool to see that One Punch Man is continuing to sell, continuing to keep readers interested and coming back for more. 
That's really mm. cool. And what's also cool is that there are four volumes on the list this time. We're steadily seeing more manga representation on this list every month. And yeah, we're almost a third of the way there. Maybe one day, like the book scan list, it'll overtake more than half. Uh, probably. I mean, I mean, we'll we'll have to see. But for now, uh, you know, speaking of the book scan list. I mean, the book scan list, it's just almost all manga at this point. <laughs> and so uh, we are going to go over the next one now. Uh, this is the book scan list uh, for March in particular. And uh, we're going to start right at the top here. So at number two, we have volume 11 of Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba, which I think is the highest it's been on this list so far. Definitely. We are seeing kind of equivalent results here between Bookscan and New York Times in terms of the manga volume that it's selling the most, and Demon Slayer, again, really picking up. Mm-hmm, so that's, that's good to see. At number three, we have, once again, volume 19 of One Punch Man, which, again, very high on the list. At number four, we finally have a volume of My Hero Academia, volume one, with uh, volume two at number five. And then, uh, let's see, I mean, I guess as far as My Hero Academia goes, uh, just to get some of those out of the way, uh, Volume 23 came in at number 8, with Volume 2 coming in at number 10. Actually, Volume 22 came in at number 10. Oh, did it? Okay, it says on it says on Anime News Network it came at number 8. No, at number 8 was Volume 23. Oh, wait, what, what did I say? You said Volume 2 came in number 10, it's Volume 22. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm at, I'm at 22, that's what I meant. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but let's see, like I was saying, uh, Volume 3 comes in at number 11. And then let's see, at Volume uh, volume 4 comes in at number 16, with Volume 5 coming in at number 19 at the bottom of the list. So that's about seven volumes of My Hero Academia, which is a, li- a little less than usual. Only seven volumes of My Hero it's Academia. It's it. I mean, it's list. half the manga on this list. It's a third of the books on the top 20. And we're definitely seeing that the first couple of volumes, the last couple of volumes, are continuing to sell really well, meaning that new readers are coming into the series and existing long-time readers are continuing to keep up with it. So MHA continues to dominate as the most popular comic on the market right now. I mean, look, I'm not saying it's not dominating. I'm just saying I usually when we do these book scan lists, I, I want to say that there's usually about like a total of eight or nine volumes on on the list, maybe sometimes even ten. But yeah, no, I mean it's it's. I think it's still like one volume less than usual, but it's still pretty. It's, I mean, again, it's. I'm not saying it's not dominating because it still is, but you know. But yeah, no, my academia is still doing well, and it's probably going to continue to do well, uh, no matter what. So let's see, at uh, number six, we have uh, volume four of the deluxe edition of Berserk, which again, Berserk being Dark Horse's number one best-selling comic, I'm not too surprised about that. Mm -hmm. At number seven, we have volume eight of Dragon Ball Super, and then we have volume one of Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba at number 12. Um, Again, I'm expecting to see volume one of Demon Slayer on this list for... For the next mm-hmm. while, I should say, because again, I'm, I'm assuming that just means more people are getting in the Demon Slayer every month. And then once again, we have the hardcover edition of Junji Ito's Uzumaki at number 14. It seems like Uzumaki in particular for the past, like, I want to say couple of months has been uh, 
has been on the book scan list. Uh, and I, I don't know if that just means more people are discovering Uzumaki or if like more people are finding out about the new anime that's hopefully supposed to still come out this year. Well, even before the anime announcement, Uzumaki was doing pretty well. I think Uzumaki is just one of those evergreen titles that people learn about and pick up, kind of like Watchmen. Even decades later, Watchmen continues to sell incredibly well. So Uzumaki mm. is just becoming one of those books. Like People are always discovering it, always wanting to read it, always buying it. Hmm. Yeah, I never really thought about it like that. I guess that makes sense. Again, it's it's like we've been saying, Junji Ito is licensed to print money over here at this point. <laughs> I, I keep seeing, it's a kind of an anecdote, uh, Crunchyroll sent me an email to my personal email about how they're bringing out like a new like apparel line for Junji Ito on their store. So so now I guess like Junji Ito merchandise is very much in and with both Crunchyroll and Hot Topic. I've gotten <laughs> I've gotten ads from Hot Topic about buying Junji Ito merchandise. So um, you know he's made it big. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. But next up at number fifteen on the list, we have Volume fourteen of the Promise Neverland. Which Promise Neverland isn't isn't a title we see like all the time on the list, but usually when there's like a new release, it's it's usually on there. So. Yeah, it's doing quite well considering the vitriol people have had towards the story as of late in the current chapters. But fan base continues to support it strong. It continues to be one of the most best-selling titles. Look, I mean, we have our opinions of the story right now and uh, where where it's been going, but like people still like the Promised Neverland, so. That's that's nice to see. I, I would not consider the Pro- Promised Neverland like a bad manga by any means. Not at all. But uh, last but not least, at number seventeen, we have Volume Five of a new edition on the book scan list: B Stars from Paro Itagaki. Yeah, B Stars, awesome. I guess the anime really spread awareness. This is the first time we're seeing B Stars on the list, and that's pretty cool. This is about where the anime left off, Volume 5, so hopefully people who got into it from the anime are going to continue to seek out future volumes and see more Beastars on the list. Very cool to see it here. I mean, look, I recently just finished all the Beastars on Netflix, and I will say, after what happens in like the last four episodes of that first season, I don't blame anybody for seeking out the manga, because holy shit, things get wild. Yeah. In a way that I was not expecting. Yeah, the anime just really makes me want to read more of it. <laughs> if the kind of things I saw in the anime were the things I, I knew were going to come up, I'm not going to say anything else, but there's a lying Yakuza gang. If I knew about their existence ahead of time, I I would have bought like at least three more volumes of B-Stars and read them all in one sitting. <laughs> that's, the kind, that's the kind of stuff I'm into. Uh, so that's really about it for the book scan list. I, I would say some, some some interesting additions. Well, I guess Beastars is like the only new edition. Um, everything else we've seen on here before, but I mean, like it's it's nice to see Demon Slayer in particular placed so high on the list. Uh, yeah, which is good. these titles continue to dominate the list. Really, Dark Horse is the only holdout with Berserk. But regardless, we're seeing a couple more titles outside of just one or two from Viz this time. 
And we're seeing stuff like Beastars pop in there, which is really, really cool. So I think that we're seeing just some more series get really popular. And hopefully we'll see, you know, us even some more variety going forward. Let's get at least three volumes of, of uh, Demon Slayer on the book scale list. I think that should be our next goal. Yeah, and I think that's a very achievable goal. I think we will see once the speed up happens starting in May with Demon Slayer. And when they're going to be releasing a volume every month, it'll be very curious to see like how well that initiative does. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really about it for all of our list. And now I think we should move on to all of our serialization news. Lem, if you want to go ahead and start us off. Yeah, and we're going to start off with a story that is related to the pandemic and our conversation last time about we don't know how the pandemic is going to affect manga production, whether it will affect production of manga itself, because a lot of manga creators work at home, but they work at assistance, so that could cause delays. And that is definitely the case with the case study of Vanitas, which is going on hiatus because of coronavirus concerns. June Mochizuki, creator of the series, posted on Twitter recently that the manga will be going on indefinite hiatus because the process for creating the manga is analog and her assistants commute to and from Tokyo to work on the manga every month with her. And after consulting with staff at Square Enix, they decided it was too dangerous to have her assistants continue to commute, so they put the manga on hiatus. And so this story is really interesting because it will remain to be seen like if this is going to affect other manga in the same way, other manga that, you know, are done analog still that require work from assistance to create, we're going to see it. Like, what other manga will go on a hiatus because of this? I mean, Shonen Jump did just recently take a week off because of concerns as well in the editorial department. One staff member was... uh tested positive for covid so they delayed jump a week they skipped a week and then they did the combined issue the following week so i mean will we see more stuff like that happen it remains to be seen but it's definitely something to keep an eye on yeah i mean as far as manga goes like i i was kind of thinking in the back of my mind like oh well manga authors are usually you know most of them kind of isolate themselves anyway so at first, I didn't really think uh, this would really affect their work, but uh, I yeah, I didn't even think about like I didn't even think about the the possibility of like uh, them not being able to like have their assistants come by like their offices and whatnot if that's what they require. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess we'll have to see. I'm totally okay with delays in uh, in in all the manga we read if it means we can keep our manga artists and authors, you know, healthy and happy. And not get yeah, sick. the health of people is a far greater priority than entertainment production. So I hope that all companies are taking measures to ensure that the artists are safe and healthy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is a good call. I'm just very curious to see like how far reaching these effects will be. And... Now we're going to talk about some series that are ending, not because of pandemic-related concerns, though we will have more discussion about delays and such later in the show, but 
we are going to talk about series that are coming to a natural end soon. And one of those series is Takani and Hana, a shoujo comedy that is published by Viz over here. It will be ending in about four chapters in Hakui Sinch's Hana to You May. And should end on the 14th issue on June 20th. So, presuming there are no delays, that should be about when the series will end. The 17th volume should be the ending. So, there's only about a four-volume gap between where Wiz is and where the series is in Japan. So, I'm sure we'll get that final volume out here in English pretty soon as well, considering Viz's release schedule for that series. Hmm. But another series that is going to be ending relatively soon is Domestic Girlfriend, whose 28th volume is coming out in August. No real note about when the series is going to be ending in magazine itself, considering the timeline of when another recently shown in magazine series Seven Lily Sins ended. It could end just a couple of months before the final volume is set to come out. So, Seven Lessons ended in March, final volume's coming out in May. So, if this volume of Domestic Girlfriend's coming out in August, the final volume could come out in June, the final chapter in Shonen Magazine, rather. So, that'll be interesting. I was not really following the series very heavily, but it has been simul-pubbed on Crunchyroll for many years, and I checked in on the recent chapters to see what's going on, and uh, it's certainly something... That is going on in oh, terms yeah. of, well, I guess the guy, he officially got with his younger stepsister and now oh, oh they are being black and she's pregnant. Oh, They're no. about to get married. And now like the older sister, the teacher is being blackmailed by some skeezy reporter guy who is apparently, I guess, working for an old ex of hers or some guy who's antagonistic towards him. So, so it seems like a whole lot of drama is going on in Domestic Girlfriend. So very curious how that all is going to resolve. This sounds like a really fun, trashy read, and uh, I can't wait to read it when it's finished. Yeah, same here. I think it is kind of delightfully trashy. So I look forward to that. Speaking of delightfully trashy, Konosuba is... Ending in May when it's 17th volume. Very surprising. I didn't think that the series would end. It just feels like it's, you know, been going along. But yeah, the last rhyme is going to come out on May 1st. And, you know, we get the light novels here in English. I guess uh, we'll see, like, how it ends when Yen releases that over here. But yeah, I mean, I really am a fan of the series. I hope that. It gets fully adapted into anime, because I really enjoy the anime adaptation of Konosuba. But yeah, that's pretty interesting. Like, the series has been going on since 2013, so it's been a fairly long-running series. It's also been, like, one of the most popular light novel series in Japan for a while, too. Definitely. So, that's why I was surprised, because of its popularity. But, yeah. Uh, congrats to the author and looking forward to their next works. I also enjoyed their other series, Kimono Michi Rise Up, which had like an anime last season. That was also very funny. So, yeah. Wasn't that uh, the anime with the wrestler who gets he, sent to another world? 
Yeah, the wrestler who really loves animals, who gets sent to another world and is, like, tasked with taming beasts, but instead he, like, captures them and he wants to open a pet shop and stuff. It is very, very amusing. I had no idea that that was written by the same person, but now that you say that, this makes so much more sense now, somehow. Very similar character dynamics, though I think the characters are a lot kinder to each other than in Konosuba, but... It is very enjoyable. How many volumes are we up to uh, over here in the States on Konosuba? Ten was the most recently released volume, so oh, okay. we could have seven to go. Okay, well, that's not, that's not too big of a gap. Mm-hmm. But speaking of light novel-related things ending, Dengeki Bunko Magazine, which was a magazine that published manga adaptations of several Dengeki Bunko novel series, is going to be ending in its next issue, in the May issue. And we don't really know yet if this magazine may be continued in digital or if it's, like, really ending for good, but it's definitely, like, a sudden, shocking announcement. I mean, there was, like, a follow-up update that said they are looking at a new shape of media and... To let fans know to stay tuned to check out the latest information. But, you know, and then they also said Dengeki Bunko Magazine will be back. So we don't know, like, in what form that is. It's very, very curious. But, yeah. I mean, I just kind of assume maybe they'd go digitally, maybe? I mean, to me, that Mm -hmm. makes the most sense. But I guess we'll have to see. It would. It is going to be interesting. And if it really does go online, if we see a more of a trend of magazines just going online, especially in response to the current situation where producing and shipping print books is more difficult, you know, that could have some interesting uh, ramifications on how, like, the magazine distribution process is in Japan. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see what's going to be happening with Dengeki Magazine. But in terms of other things ending, we talked about it a little bit on our last episode that the Black 2Y2 arc of Pokemon Adventures was coming to an end, and it officially has ending at the time of this recording. The final chapter finally came out on Sunday Webry, and so yeah, it's pretty, pretty great because now the numbered Graphic novels for the series can continue to be published and they can actually like compile the arcs that are supposed to take place chronologically after this in proper graphic novels because the XY, Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire, all those arcs, because Black Tomb White Tomb was delayed for so long, couldn't be compiled in the proper sequential order. So they instead release these mini volumes but these mini volumes like miss chapters so it's gonna be great to finally just have the series you know have like regular volumes being released for all the arts that'll have everything in the right order so yeah very very happy that after so many years the black 2y2 arc of pokemon adventures finally ended Seven years. Seven years this has been going on. <laughs> oh boy. I feel like I'm listening to that to that one gif uh I think it's from the Titanic. It's been eighty-four years or whatever. <laughs> 
I mean, it's been one twelfth of eighty four years. That's how long <laughs> this series has been running. But that's not the only thing that's been ending. Uh, something else has been ending in terms of Shonen Jump related stuff. Now we're going into I'm from Japan ended in Psycho Jump. So you can read that final chapter on Manga Plus. So yeah. Yeah, um I'm from Japan was interesting because it started out in Jump and then it moved to Psycho Jump which as far as I could tell or from what from what I've heard of other people who have read it like it, it's a it's a very like kids magazine. Yeah, it, like it's skew, it skews to a very a much younger reader. And so yeah, I was at first I was kind of surprised to hear that it moved to there but then the more I thought about it I was like, hey, you know, like, I'm from Japan. I could see it having a much younger audience with, you know, just with the kind of humor it has and, like, you know, how educational it is and whatnot about different prefectures and everything. And uh, I mean, definitely they wanted to market it to a younger audience. You know, they produced that anime so quickly and aired it in a TV show that broadcast early morning to kids. Like, they wanted to promote this to kids. But I don't think it really caught on, even though it did last, you know, a decent bit, I guess. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I think it premiered in Jump in like 2018, yeah, I want to say. Yeah, fall 2018, so it ran for like a year and a half. Yeah. And I mean, also, like, I'm not sure if I would consider this uh, like a, I don't know, would we consider this a canceled series? I don't think so, right? Well, I don't know the context of how the series was reading up to this point, whether it reads like it was canceled. I mean, it ends with 45 chapters. I would consider Samurai 8 a canceled series of 43 chapters, but like we know all the context, and as a reader, it's so obvious. I was not really following I'm for Japan recently, so I don't really know if it felt like it had a rushed ending or anything. No, but also... That's a diagnosis I think we'd have to like go into and like determine just from reading it. I mean, I did peek at the last chapter and apparently they had a tournament. Yeah, I know. I checked in on it a while ago and they had a tournament. That is true. And that was going for a while. So I guess that ended. And then the series ended. So mm. I think Japan fought his dad or something. Yeah. And yeah. It happened. That was pretty wild. I was pretty, um, I was weirdly kind of interested to see that. I don't know. I'm from Japan is a weird series. Like, whether it was canceled or not, I, I kind of hope that we get, like, ebooks of this or something at some point so we could, like, read it and maybe talk about it on the show. Because it just, I mean, I, I know we, I don't think we had very, like, favorable impressions, at least not that I can remember, you know, just based on its humor and whatnot. But, like, I don't know. I'd be interested in going through this one, because it's just such an oddity. Like, it's a series that clearly didn't catch on, but, like, they still gave it an anime anyway. You know? Yeah. I think it's amusing uh, just to check it out and see, like, what was it trying to accomplish? Was it, like, a sincere manga about pop culture references and promoting a local... Japanese prefectures, or was this like kind of propaganda disguised as entertainment to promote nationalism? We will uh, have to make that judgment call after reading it properly. 
Maybe we can have a debate with Maxi about whether we consider this a canceled jump comic or not. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be a fun thing to do, too. Yeah, I mean, look, they translated this for a lot of it for Manga Plus. The translation exists. Hopefully, Uh Media Do or whoever has, like, the ability to publish digitalize. This does. They produced this translation. They should release it out there in volumes. People will buy it. We will buy it just to cover it on the show. (laughs) So, I mean, look, they they mentioned... To Anime News Network at one point that they wanted to do ebooks and unfortunately it doesn't yeah, look like they've that done that. That hasn't really yet. manifested for anything. So and hopefully know. they get on that. If, and nothing else. I mean, if it's not going to be released here in any form in terms of volumes people can buy, they could just put all the chapters up for people to read. Yeah, like, exactly. Why not at this point? Yeah, I mean, like if you don't think you're going to make any money off you know, selling digital volumes, at least like, at least put up whatever chapters you have translated. Yeah, you can get some revenue off of traffic and ads, like, do that, at least. So. I mean, look, people want full series to read, you know, like. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not completely full, but like, you have enough of it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, that that's, that's just, that's just us, that's just how we feel, but you know. So let, let's move on to the next thing that ended after that. So, Unfortunately, Yusaku Shibata's Zip Man manga uh, has ended as of the 19th issue of Shonen Jump. And uh, I can't say I'm totally surprised. Yeah, I mean, it was obvious in like the 12th chapter that the series was heading to the endgame because they had the time skip and then they introduced like the final boss. Oh, wow. So, okay. yeah, I mean, like, very, very early on, we knew that Zipman was going to probably go towards its conclusion. Like, it was zipping up. It's it's a real shame, because I I thought it was pretty interesting in the beginning, and I, I was looking forward to a new Shonen Jump tokusatsu manga, but unfortunately, I guess it just didn't catch on with a lot of people. And I mean, I think I might have mentioned it on the show before, but I think I... I want to say I dropped it about seven or eight chapters in because it just it just didn't really feel like the story was moving. Ironically, all. I feel the story was moving too fast around that point because they kind of rushed into that like tower battle thing with all like sequential battles with all those like villains and whatever. It was like just we should have more time establishing characters. Instead of, like, rushing into fights. And I think that was Zipman's biggest weakness. Is that it kind of rushed into all this action. And didn't spend enough time, like, really establishing character. And making them compelling. Ultimately, it did succeed enough with the relationship between the two brothers. So, the conclusion of Zipman, I think, for... Like, the circumstances was actually pretty well done, focusing on their bond and the conflict between them and resolving that. That was pretty... It it had kind of a sweet bit of ending, but it was not very successful. It was, like, all action, but there was no substance to it. Yeah, I, I think that's basically how I feel, too. Um, this one we could definitely put on our list for a cancelled Jump Series podcast down the line. Definitely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to like revisit this one. 
But uh, yeah, that ended. But out with the old Jump Series and with the new Jump Series. Oh, yes. So um, at the time of this recording, at least I think at least one of these obviously has uh, has premiered in Jump and you can read the read the first chapter on the show to Jump app. And so, yeah, but, you know, uh, we're we're, going to talk about the next three new series that are basically going to be replacing whatever's uh, ended and whatnot. So uh, this first series called Mori King from Tomohiro Hasegawa. The first chapter is on the Shonen Jump app. It is being translated by Viz. I have not read it yet, but from what I know, I think it's pretty funny. It's kind of reminds me of Sergeant Frog, especially with the how it begins and the relationship between the older sister and the little brother and the little brother to the new mysterious creature that has come into their lives. It's one of those series where a weird character exists in those weird things and everyone is just nonplussed and normal about it except the one character who's like freaking out and the sister in this series is that character. And so a lot of the comedy is just like her kind of freaking out as Maury King is doing something and everyone is just chill with it. Mm. But there's some really amusing stuff in there. There's some really good gags with like the insects in particular like the insect society and they're all speaking this made it insect language instead of but mori king him, themselves is like just speaking regular uh japanese or english and and then like the whole thing is that mori king had to go to like the outside world outside of the forest you know to become stronger, to become true king of insects. And then, like, he peeks his head out of, like, his little cave, and then he's spotted by, like, people who are, like, collecting insects as pets, and he's immediately captured and sold at a pet store for, like, 100 yen or something. Mm. So it's just, like, very snappy jokes like that are pretty funny. Mm. Okay, well, yeah. I hadn't seen anybody, like, talk about this one too much, so I wasn't really sure... People are kind of up and down about it because it does feel like how do you sustain this premise in a way that won't get stale? I feel like that's been the case with like comedy manga or whatnot, yeah. or, or at least the very few that Viz has picked up. We will see because Matama Security Spirit Busters pretty quickly managed to find other gags and a stable of characters that has kept things really, really funny and enjoyable. So maybe Mori King will do the same thing. And again, it gave me a lot of Sergeant Frog vibes. And I can only imagine that other like humanwood insect characters are also going to pop in in the series. And if there's more of a cast, I think like it could become quite enjoyable. Uh, I mean, I quite enjoy the first chapter. I it had a lot of good laughs. There's some really good gags. Uh, like, I think a really great one was just early on. When, like, Sister is, like, freaking out and Mori King, like, having transformed into his human form. And she thinks he's, like, a pervert or whatever. But, like, the little brother is like, oh, you're Mori King! And she's like, no, this is clearly some weirdo. And so the little brother, like, runs to hug Mori King and then she just, like, jumps out the window. And it's just this funny panel because you have, like, the brother hugging Mori King. But in the background, like, the sister is, like, jumped out the window. And then in the next page of the first panel, 
like you see her reacting in horror to like the fact that the little brother and Maury think her friends now, but she's all bandaged and bruised because she jumped out the window. It's very amusing. Mm. Okay, yeah, this this sounds like it could be pretty amusing again. Yeah, I haven't read the first chapter yet, uh, mostly because I'm I'm kind of waiting until we, because full disclosure, obviously we're not going to be talking about any of these new uh, silent pubs until uh, yeah the end of May. I want to say yeah, we'll wait till yeah. they're all out. I mean, the last one of these is not coming out until the seventeenth, so we have a bit until all three of these are coming out. So we're gonna wait until then to like do our full discussion on them. But uh, that's like a. Uh, first impressions of the first chapter marking and we'll see like how the next couple chapters play out too mm-hmm. uh, but besides maury king uh viz and shonen jump will have probably picked up this next one from uh jun kirarazaka entitled bone collection which uh i don't think there's a lot of info on this one at the time of this recording but uh uh this one apparently did have a one shot by the same name uh which you know, that's not really anything new. Like, I think that's how a lot of these newer series start out, is, uh, you know, you have one-shots in, like, other respective, like, jump magazines that they basically use to preview, and uh, if it gets enough good reception, basically, it'll they'll, they'll turn it into a series. It's usually how these things go, as far as I know. Um, but just kind of judging from, like, what I've been able to find online here, I think I found the first page from the one-shot. Uh, it looks pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if maybe this will be like a supernatural action kind of series where the main character maybe like has has the power to make weapons out of his bones or something. That's that is my best guess. I don't know. It could be t- something totally different, but like I don't know. Um, I-, I like the look of it so far. Again, not really much to go off of, but uh, I think it c- it could be kind of cool. Um, I guess we'll just have to see when it comes out. This next one uh, we mentioned is, isn't coming out until the 17th in the 24th issue, but it looks like we have a new series from a duo, actually, of, of writer and artist, uh, the writer being Kenji Ichima and artist, uh, the, the artist being one of Lum's favorites, Sunihiro Date. Oh boy, oh joy! <laughs> Who uh, our listeners may recognize as the author of the Manga Maverick's most beloved manga, uh, Cross Account. Sure made me cross. But hey, it's okay, love. They're just just drawing this time. They're not actually writing. Yeah, that's true. And their art is pretty good. So, you know, without that writer attached, uh, no. (laughs) Uh, But... But yes, yeah, so it looks like the both of them are going to be uh, debuting with Time Paradox Ghost Rider, which I believe is just the title originally all in English, which is interesting as I'm reading the katakana here. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say that the title for the series probably speaks for itself. Um, there's probably going to be a lot of supernatural happenings along with a lot of time travel, possibly. Maybe... Uh, Maybe our main character has like a has like a ghost like stand ability or something that allows him to uh, allows him to like ghost write things. I don't know. I, I'm I'm taking a lot of wild guesses in the dark here, but I don't know. Just just from the title alone, I'm already kind of like interested in like what this has to offer. Again, you know, we we have our feelings on Sunihiro Date as far as like cross account was concerned, but again, you know, as an artist, I remember cross account at least 
looking decent. I don't think I really, like, loved the art, but it looked alright from what I remember, so... I would not mind seeing more from Date as an artist, I will say. But, uh, again, thankfully, they're not actually writing this one, so... We can maybe expect some... a decently written, uh, debut, possibly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's really about it for uh, all the newer Jump series. Again, we'll, aside from Mori King, we'll, we'll have more thoughts on them as they come out. And uh, we, we, we'll dedicate an episode on those, uh, along with any other cyber pubs that uh, may or may not be available at that time. But uh, we'll, we'll see about that. So, yeah, that's about it for that. And then, uh, Lum, I believe uh, this next piece of news, as far as serialization goes, may be of interest uh, to you in particular. Yes, actually, before we get to the one that I think you're thinking of, there is one piece of news in terms of series that are ending that I forgot to mention that I just want to bring up now is that Hina Monstery is ending with its 19th volume this summer. So keep an eye out for that series coming to a conclusion. One Piece Books is releasing a series in English. They're up to the seventh volume currently, so they're a little bit behind. It'll probably take a bit for them to finish releasing the series here, but it's a really funny series. It's uh, sad to hear it end, but you know, from what I've been hearing from people talking about it, you know, it can still consistently is really hilarious. So I'm looking forward to reading more of it before mm-hmm. it comes to conclusion. But yeah, Seven Deadly Sins is a series we talked about that ended recently, and it's not quite over, I guess, because it has a sequel announced tentatively titled The Four Nights of the Apocalypse. It is a sequel series. You don't know if it's going to be a long form or a short form series, but it's going to focus on Tristan, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, who is also uh, Meliodas and Elizabeth's son. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess, how do you how, how do you feel about this new sequel? Like, do you, do you think it's needed? I mean, it's going to be focusing on new characters, so I have no clue. But, like, the ending of the manga was like, hey, we're introducing, you know, characters in Torian lore uh, met up with each other and eventually become Knights of the Round Table uh, in terms of, like, Lancelot is Bon and Elaine's kid and then Tristan is Melodius and Elizabeth's kid. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see, like, where the story goes. But in any case, uh, Nakamo Suzuki isn't just going to be working on this because he's going to only begin this new side story series after he's working on his next serialization, after he begins his next serialization. So I'm looking forward to Suzuki's next work even more than this. But, you know, I think that spending a little more time in the world of some of these things isn't necessarily a bad thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't have too many thoughts on Seven Deadly Sins since I'm I've been watching through the anime. I'm not caught up to it yet, but like from what you were saying about the ending of the manga, I was totally not expecting a sequel series. I I guess Seven Deadly Sins is still I'm assuming it's still pretty popular if like if Yeah, they're I mean going the ending trouble. of the manga you know, they had set up some treads. Like there's a character who's setting up their own kingdom that is just for humans and not for demons and gods or whatever Uh-oh. because he's pissed off of that. And then, of course, Arthur, you know, he's still, like, working on his whole thing. There's still more to go with him. So, again, like, kind of introduce characters in that editorial lore do grow up to become Knights of the Round Table. So I think 
that's probably ultimately going to be what happens in the sequel series. So that'd be kind of interesting to see play out. Hmm. But in terms of new manga that are coming from uh, established authors, there's a lot to look forward to because Kaguya-sama creator Akakasaka revealed on their Twitter account that they are launching a new series in Weekly Young Jump on April 23rd. That is going to be illustrated by Mengo Yokuari, the artist of Scum's Wish, and is going to focus on a overwhelmingly cute heroine and show the entertainment industry in a never-before-seen point of view. So could this be like a critique of the idol industry, or could this be, you know, just some sort of interesting new take? I think this is an interesting combination of artists, so... Very, very curious to see how this one is going to turn out. And considering that both are popular artists of popular series, I think that if this does pretty well, we'll see it over here as well. I mean, look, if you're going to get any two individuals to team up and do like a possible like entertainment slash idol industry manga kind of thing, this sounds like the pair you want, honestly. It's an interesting pair in terms of you have one creator who is known for creating this really funny rom-com and another creator who is known for creating like this really down-to-earth kind of psychological manga about characters working through their sexual frustrations and relationship problems. So it's, you know, an interesting combo. I wonder how that'll play out in the series, that mix of different strengths. So, mm. yeah, very, very curious. I would definitely check this out. Indeed, I'm really looking forward to this. Also something to look forward to is a new manga by the creator of Sweetness and Lightning, Amagakure Gido, called Otonara ni Ginga, which is going to come out in an upcoming issue of Good Afternoon on, on May 2020. So it's going to be an engagement rom-com manga about a pessimistic manga artist and his beautiful but mysterious assistant. So another manga about uh, the entertainment field, another manga about manga creators. Very, very curious to see this one, too. I loved what I saw of Sweetness and Lightning, so I'll probably check this out as well. Mm-hmm. Another cool new manga coming out is by the creator of Kakegurui, Homura Kawamoto, and a couple of other different manga creators, including Hikaru Muno and Shutaro Yamada, the read or die manga. And it's coming out at Ruby Show on Sunday, a new series by them called Greatest M, Ijin Mahjong Tyson, or otherwise you call it Greatest M. The tournament for the greatest Mahjong player, and that's coming out on Sunday Webry on April 21st. And Kawamoto and Moon are credited with the original work, while Yamada is doing the art, and the uh, series is being supervised by Mika Mizuguchi. And so, yeah, a cool Mahjong gambling manga, definitely based on the strengths of Kawamoto's Kakegurui. We'll see. If the lead character is as crazy as the lead character in that series, but or just as horny, or just as horny for gambling and high stakes with Mahjong, so we will see. We will see another interesting series. But that about does it with serialization news, and now we got to talk about some licensing stuff, and we got some big stuff to talk about because we've got a new manga subscription service coming out. 
Yeah, I mean, we it's actually already out by the time you're listening to this. If you haven't already heard, the Manga Mo app now exists. It's a uh, basically a subscription app that I think so far is only available on iOS. I believe they're working on an Android app, as far as I can tell. But uh, yeah, it basically it's a it's a subscription service app that you can download that has over 300 titles on their app. Some of which uh, have already been licensed, like titles like uh, Attack on Titan and Fire Force. You can read the first couple of chapters on there. But it also has uh, a lot of titles that have never been licensed before, uh, such as uh, Dropkick My Devil, Akatsuki Babies, Reset Game, and Daily Meteor Strike. Just a list of few. Again, there are so many series on this app. And basically the deal is it's $4.99 per month. Uh, that's $4.99. But currently, basically, if you sign up now, you get a two-month free trial. That's 60 days free to basically kind of explore this app and take a look at, uh, you know, whatever uh, whatever manga they have available. I don't believe they have any, like, full series on here just yet. Not yet. I mean, they're promises to add new chapters daily, so hopefully they'll catch up on some things. Because the selection, I mean, they got a lot of series, but only a couple chapters of everything. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we will see. I mean, it is interesting because, like, yeah, like you said, they don't have anything in full yet. But, like, as far as selection goes, like, a lot of these titles I have never heard of. Yeah. I mean, they've got a lot of series, but in terms of marquee series, they've got a few. But they only have, like, a couple chapters of those few. I mean, I'm very happy that there's a place to, like, read art in, you know, kind of a this kind of format again, because that was previously done by Silent Manga Audition. They were previously releasing chapters of that every week, and then they stopped doing that, and then they were put into, like, digital volumes, but those never would pass, like, the chapters that Silent Manga Audition did, so like, I'm hoping that, you know, I'll be able to read more of art on this app. So I'm pretty looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to checking out more of the titles on there because, again, they've got hundreds of manga on here, like lots of things that are curious to check out. But I am hoping that they kind of catch up on this backlog pretty soon because it's only a small sample of everything. And especially Mm -hmm. for these longer series, like I'm hoping that they get those out pretty quickly because i mean i think that would be the biggest draw like if you could read like all the chatters attack and titan or fire force or whatever on this thing you know then people would go to this app to check that stuff out and then they would see all this other series and be like oh i'll check out this series and maybe i'll check out this series so you know hopefully that'll be a strategy they take into mind mm-hmm. but uh apparently you know, th- these guys have manga from, like, 11 different publishers, again, including Kodansha. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, clearly they have, they have, I'm just surprised at, like, how many titles they have on here, honestly. And, like you said, I, I hope they keep up with their promise to add new chapters daily. Because some of these, like, I, I'm some, some of these I'm kind of waiting for at least, like, a volume's worth before I kind of dip in. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. The, I mean... Despite anything we say or any criticism we may have of, like, what they may or may not have available, like, it's still really cool that, um, I want to say this is our fourth, our fourth manga subscription 
that we have available in the U.S. along with like you know Shonen Jump, uh, Futakia, and Manga Planet. Uh, comics, I guess, Comicsology Unlimited. You can count that because they have a lot of they have manga available through that service. It's not like manga specific, but they do have manga on there. So, if you want to count that, then five, which mm. I think is pretty amazing. Honestly, like I'm glad that we're getting more subscription services, and uh, I'm just hoping they grow. Like I, I really want to be able to support this app. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I also want to give a shout out to Maxi, who 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 found a another short lived Shonen Jump manga on here called Number Ten, which apparently is a a very short lived soccer manga that did not last more than a volume, and it's not even the author's worst manga apparently. <laughs> so um, just want to thank Maxi for uh, shouting that out because um, that's definitely going on our list. We're definitely going to be covering that at some point. This is why we have Maxi around, so that way he can he can find us the gems. <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I think they even have some manga from uh, uh, what's it what's it called? I'm forgetting the name of the name of the site off the top of my head. Um, manga dot club, I think it's called. I believe they have they even have a few titles uh, from that service as well. So, uh, which is pretty cool. But yeah, again. If you're looking for an app with a lot of manga to read, again, not a lot of chapters per title, but I think this is worth, like, looking into and keeping an eye on. Definitely. I want to hope that this will grow to be something even bigger, so I have a lot of faith, personally. But yeah, that's uh, that's available there, and then, uh, Lum, I believe, I believe we have some manga available elsewhere, if you want to talk about that real quick. Yeah, you can buy Kodansha and Vertical manga on the service Isneo now. So that's like a, just a comics distribution platform that is available on a few devices, browser, Android, Apple tablet, smartphones, and actually on the Nintendo Switch. If you've ever wanted to read a manga on the Nintendo Switch, you can read it on there. And so most of... The publisher's titles are going to be available on there, so you could uh, check that out. If you mm-hmm. want to, again, read manga on your Nintendo Switch, among uh, a lot of other different platforms. Speaking of manga subscription services, Manga Planet is adding four titles from Shonen Gahosha in May. Spirit Circle by Satoshi Mizugami of Lucifer and the Biscadamer fame is dropping on May 18th. Rory Mihara's The Kawaii Complex Guide to Manners and Hostile Behavior follows on May 19th. Then Soramachi and Yet the Town Moods by Ishiguro moves in on May 20th. And finally, Sun Can Rock from Boichi, who you may best know as the artist of Dr. Stone, drops in on May 21st. All of these titles are currently available to read in their entirety on Crunchyroll manga, and it remains to be seen whether Manga Planet will share these titles with Crunchyroll, or whether they will be removed from Crunchyroll upon being made available on Manga Planet. Either way, if you have a Manga Planet subscription, and haven't gotten a chance to read these titles yet on Crunchyroll, you'll have a good opportunity to check these out in just a few weeks. Mm, pretty cool. Indeed, it also pretty cool is that apparently um, another manga by Kenko Hanazawa, the creator of I Am a Hero, is coming out in English. This was actually announced on NHK World TV's Imagination, which is an English language program that is shown on their international broadcast service, 
That reveal that Kengo Hanazawa is under ninja is going to begin publication in the U.S., Italy, China, and other countries, you know, in April. Of course, we are closing to the end of April, and we don't really have a release date for this, but this announcement presumably is accurate, so if it doesn't come out in April, it should come out and go sometime soon. Remain to be seen if they're going to be doing, like, chapters of this if we're gonna be like doing like maybe just volume releases yeah 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 i mean third volume came out in uh february so you know there's a couple volumes out already so yeah i mean i am a hero is fairly popular so depending on who releases this yeah we will see mm. i would be surprised if like if maybe they did like if maybe kanacha did like uh, maybe started off with like a digital only release with this, maybe possibly. Yeah, I don't know. We we really don't know like how they plan on releasing this so far. Well, I mean, we don't even know if Kadansha will be releasing this because I Am a Hero is being released by Dark Horse, so who knows? Maybe they'll look at this too. Well, yeah, but it but it runs in a Kadansha magazine, yeah, so but yeah. that you know, they might pass on it and someone else will get it. Who knows how. Like, who pick up the rights to this? Is it likely bet that it's Kadansha, but eh, it could be someone else. We're we're in the we're in the dark about this. We'll we'll just have to see. Mm-hmm. But speaking of Dark Horse, Dark Horse has licensed a couple new series as well. In fact, some big name series. The hit The Darling of the Winter 2020 season, Keep Your Hands Off Ken. they Licensed the manga of that, and they'll be releasing that this fall. It's scheduled currently with October 6th release, so if you are looking to check out the original manga behind the hit anime directed by Masaki Yuasa, you definitely have that to look forward to. Uh, also something to look forward to is more Mob Psycho 100, because they are going to be releasing the Reagan spin-off manga, which is just a single volume series this October as well, and that's scheduled for October 27th. And so this is a volume all focused and dedicated to Reagan. So that's something that's really, really interesting, and I can't wait to read that as well. Watch that sell more than all of Mob Psycho. That'd be really amusing. I mean, Reagan is definitely the most popular character, surprisingly. So I think that we'll see a bunch of fans go out to pick this up but also if you're a blade of the immortal fan and you didn't buy the omnibus editions already uh you can look forward to the deluxe editions coming out in october the first one of that's scheduled for october 20th so that's probably going to be like the helsing and berserk deluxe editions they're going to be like big hard covers with rounded spines and full letter cover higher paper quality bookmarks it's going to be like in the original size format of the serialized manga, it's going to be pretty prestigious release. And I almost wish I didn't pick up all the omnibuses, because this seems like a really high-quality, awesome release for Blade of the Immortal. But yeah, if you haven't, you have that to look forward to. Though, unfortunately, this is still going to be flipped. I don't know why Dark Horse refuses to unflip this. But, yeah. Uh, that upsets me, but... Yeah. I'm still gonna read it eventually. Yeah. 
Well, it is still cool to see Dark Horse continue to release more hardcovers uh, editions of their series. Clearly those are doing well for them, I would assume. Indeed. But something that also seems to be doing well is a lot of light novel titles. And we've got a new one from Cross Infinite World. They've licensed the weakest manga villainous Monster Freedom by Kazuki Karasawa and Masami. It's a standalone light novel. It's going to come out digitally worldwide in English on May 22nd. It's about a girl who is reincarnated into the first boss defeated by the heroine at the start of the story of one of those mangas and her fiancé is the strongest of the four grand mashi of the very villain who slanders her character as a disgrace on her deathbed and she's, she's like, well, I'm out of here. So it's the story of the weakest manga villainess who seeks out the slow life instead of the villain life. So it's kind of like amusing to me because this would be like if you would do a series like say, that time I got reincarnated as Raditz like you had a the minor boss of the story you focus on them like rise through the the ranks and become the protagonist that would be very amusing but yeah i mean this also seems very familiar in premise to my life as a villainous i'll go see to doom i can only imagine that this series was kind of made in reaction to that like was kind of like, oh, the author saw, oh, hey, this is a popular series. I want to do something like this, too. But it still has just enough unique qualities to it in terms of the premise that makes me intrigued. And the character designs on the cover are also quite cute. So, yeah. And since it's a single volume, it also makes it all the more, you know, interesting to check out. But novel lovers have even more to look forward to because J Novel Club has licensed four new novels as well. The first parts of each available to read right now for J Novel Club members and free previews are also available for all users. These books include Debtbound Duke's Daughter by author Terrazzo Seno and illustrator Muna Shishi, which is yet another reincarnated as an Atome villainous story, this time about a little girl whose character's shtick is that she pesters the protagonist and then dies to kick up the actual plot of the story. The details of her demise differ distinctly in seven separate situations pertaining to each love interest route, so she's got to avoid seven deaths. Naturally, main character Erika ain't gonna wait to die, so she decides to destroy her death flags and keep herself alive. So again, just like Weakest Villainous, this story is very obviously inspired by my life as a villainous with a very similar setup, but I like the cover art and the vibe it gives off, and the synopsis feels a bit darker, almost ReZero-esque. So this could still be interesting, even though the more serious sharing this premise starts to come out, the more I worry about this thread becoming as tiresome and rote as the standard Isekai setup of trapped in a game world or even the mere reincarnated another world has become. Next, we've got Ichiro Sakaki and illustrator Kaori Fujita's Wild Times with a Fake Fake Princess, which stands out as an older light novel license compared to the rest of these, as it was originally serialized in monthly novel Japan Kiarono from October 2006 to January 2009. Considering the rest of these books in this batch are recent titles for the last five or so years, this one is an interesting outlier and the fact that J. Noel Club went back to pick up a relatively older work intrigues me. 
The story follows a dude who wants to be Yoshikage Kira in so much that he just wants a quiet life. But the people around him are hardly quiet or ordinary because his dad is a shady businessman, his best friend is a wannabe rock star, and his classmate is so weird they can only describe them as Sane being Sane. Things get weirder for this dude when he releases a girl from a coffin and kisses his peace in quiet goodbye. Now he's got to deal with his dad's cluelessness, his BF thirstiness, and his admirer's creepiness while dealing with the self-proclaimed body double android of a princess from a European country. But all he wants is to get off this fake fake princess's wild ride. This one certainly sounds wacky and crazy weird in all the most interesting ways, and again, if JL Club went out of their way to license an older title that doesn't really fit in with modern light double trends, I'm really curious about what makes this title special, and I want to check it out for sure. But on the subject of modern light novel trends, we're back on the Another World Isekai train for these last few. Starting with writer fireheaded illustrator Yahako's A Wild Last Boss Beard. Which makes it sound like a Pokemon Isekai, but sadly it isn't. Instead, it's about a dude who reincarnates as the last boss in an MMO world, set 200 years after she was defeated, but this isn't a game, it's real dun dun dun! Oh, the shock, oh, the horror, who would have guessed that? Well, anyways, she's gotta navigate this world looking for answers, comrades, and all the monsters are dead unleashed upon the world. So this is a trans reincarnation Isekai story, kind of like Saga of Tanya the Evil, and I reincarnated as a villain, but become a good guy story, sort of like Overlord, and all the villainous books we've been bringing up. It's not a terribly original concept, but not a bad premise either, and I like the character designs and cover art. Plus, Firehead is a cool pen name for a writer, so I'm on board to check out a story written by this guy based on that alone. And finally, our last J Double Club license is actually a manga. Read a Gucci and illustrator Agashi K's campfire cooking in another world with my absurd skill. The premise is basically the setup of rising with shield arrows, except uh, instead of becoming an edgelord slave owner, Gary Stew is always right. The protagonist of this story realizes the kingdom is sketchy and just uh, trying to use him. So he bails and uses his unique skill online supermarket to buy modern goods in the fantasy world. Wow. Not like the smartphone music high at all. Well, anyway, at first he just wants to use it to live a comfortable life, but it turns out that modern food that he buys with the skill has some absurd effect. Wow! Just like the other cooking music high. Wow! And the story from there basically becomes like all the other restaurant in another world, cooking music high type stories where ca fantasy characters are bewildered, impressed. Delighted by Mono Cuisine. This is another common Isekai story type, but the synopsis Jane Club provided was written pretty humorously, pretty wittily, so hopefully that uh, reflects upon the story's own irreverent sensibilities. Regardless, you can check this and all the novels Jane Club has recently licensed on their site right now and see whether any of them catches your fancy for fantasy. But we've also got some other cool things to check out, like a new art book from Shuzo Oshimi, femme fatale, the artist Shuzo Oshimi. So it's going to collect like two decades of color art from their works, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some of their work in art book form. They do some really beautiful illustrations, so we'll see some stuff from Flowers of Evil and all of his other series, so yeah, that's something to look forward to as well. 
And also, uh, in terms of hardcover books, with a lot of great, beautiful art, Volume, a UK publishing platform that hosts campaigns to fund and produce spreader projects, uh, is currently taking pre-orders for collector's edition of the book Anime Architecture. It costs about 75 euros and shapes a slip ship in the fourth quarter of 2020, and so it's going to have like a general release this fall, but Volume is exclusively selling the collector's edition, which is going to have a screen printed acrylic slipcase, going to just have 1,000 copies, and Stefan Riqueles is writing the book, and Praline London is the designer. It's going to be like a 256-page book. It's going to have a bunch of beautiful artwork of futuristic cities and urban centers in the future, and it's going to have material from series like Akira, Ghost and Shell, Pat the Bird, Neon Genesis Evangelion, Take a King Crete, and it's going to have like original background painting, storyboards, drafts, versus inspiration, and film experts. It's made in direct collaboration with original Japanese production studios, and yeah, it's going to be a cool look into like early conceptual stages of iconic scenes from development to the finished film. So yeah, really, really cool art book for those who want to get a sneak peek into anime production and concept art and just some of the beautiful like backgrounds and a lot of classic anime films and series. Sounds uh, sounds pretty neat. Mm-hmm. All right, but now we are going to be moving on to some this stuff. And uh, admittedly, we uh, we already kind of talked about this on an episode of At Movies we did recently about uh, My Hero Academia Heroes Rising. Uh, if you if you want to hear our thoughts on that movie, uh, we'll we'll leave a link to that episode of At Movies in the show notes. I had a lot of fun uh, recording about that movie in particular as sort of a sort of a last minute addition to the podcast. We did a we did a mid credits uh, sort of discussion on a new uh, prequel one shot that has been out for a little while now, but uh, you know we just thought we'd uh, let our listeners know that basically if you were wanting any more backstory on nine in particular, uh, you can you can read it on the Shonen Jump app, and we 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 talked about it on that episode of At Movies, you know it's a thing that exists. I think that's the best way we can. Uh, we could describe it. It's not really much of anything. But if you hear, if you want to hear us talk about it for at least ten minutes, uh, go listen to that that episode of the podcast. And that's really all the discussion you need. But I mean, if you're looking for more My Hero Academia content and you're already a subscriber to the Shonen Jump app, it's there if you want to read it. It's it's there, and I think that's about as much time as we need to give to that. So moving on from that, uh, as far as actual Viz Media licenses. Uh, Viz announced uh, recently that uh, they have licensed the Super Mario Brothers uh, Manga Mania Collection, which basically is a volume of selected stories from Yukio Sawada's Super Mario Kun manga. Viz in particular has a a late 2020 release date for this, uh, while Amazon in particular is listing uh, this release with a, a December 8th release date. So it's coming pretty late. But uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I saw that our good friend Caleb Cook is going to be translating this for us. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's really exciting. If you're a fan of Caleb's translations in particular, or if you just want to read more Super Mario manga, go go check this out. This this looks like it'll be a fun little, uh, fun little like collection of stories and whatnot. 
just going along with this line of uh, Nintendo-related uh, manga uh, releases, uh, Viz is also going to be releasing an entire box set filled with the Legend of Zelda manga, uh, specifically all the manga from uh, Akira Himikawa, it seems. Uh, it is going to include all five volumes of the Legendary Edition of the Legend of Zelda manga in a new hardcover format. And so I don't believe there is a release date for that just yet. Actually, I'm looking on Amazon right now. That'll be coming out, according to Amazon, on October 20th, 2020. So that'll be a little late in the year, too. But if you if you haven't already collected the Himikawa Legend of Zelda manga, uh, this might be your best way to do so. Yeah. It seems pretty cool. But uh, Viz has another new thing coming. Alam, if you want to mention that real quick, which is pretty interesting. Yes, the first of Viz's new Viz Originals titles is going to be coming out pretty soon. It's going to be adaptation of the novel Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. And it's going to be adapted into manga form by Sam Maggs and illustrated by Gabby Nam. And so that's coming out in fall 2020. Fangirl the manga. And it's got some cool cover art. I saw a lot of good buzz about this. People are very, very interested. And yeah, I'm interested. It's pretty cool to see like some of the first Viz Originals projects coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't wait to see uh can't wait to see more of these come out. So there's that. In other Viz news, now we're going to some industry stuff, and we've got some big changes because Viz Europe has changed its name to Crunchyroll. Like, they're rebranding their entire company under Crunchyroll. Uh, the name change was listed as far back as January 27th of this year. And this basically follows after Crunchyroll and Viz Europe kind of closed the deal for Crunchyroll to become the majority owner of Viz Europe, like, last December. Mm. So, yeah, so this rebranding is basically the company that was Viz Europe is now uh, Crunchyroll. So, very interesting. But also, now we're going to head into some uh, coronavirus-related delays or news pieces. But first off, we're going to talk about a lot of publishers who are, like, delaying shipping books and whatnot. But one publisher that is not is this. Currently, they are saying, because their distribution channel is not Diamond, but Simon & Schuster, that they are not quite quite as impacted and the release schedule is unchanged for now and you know they're following you know what their partners are saying what their suppliers are saying but currently they have not been impacted so that is quite good to hear if you've been looking forward to some upcoming this titles but yes on the subject of diamond they have halted shipment of new products due to covid and I mean, that was like a a recent thing that they halted shipment of like anything that was going to be released after April 1st until later Nordis. Like they're going to continue to fulfill direct shipped reorders for retailers through their Arlov branch. But like they won't be able to ship them same day they're placed and they are going to have to adjust their plans to safeguard their teams while fulfilling their orders. Nyman, by the way, is the company that like ships books directly to retailers. So they are kind of like the monopoly pretty much on most comic book distribution. 
this follows, of course, also after Diamond announced that they had a distribution agreement with Kodansha for exclusive distribution of Kodansha's products, especially markets worldwide. Ugh. So, you know, Diamond was going to assume exclusive sales and distribution for Kodansha comics and traditional and non-traditional book channels on August 1st. So it hasn't quite gone into effect yet, but it is still going into effect soon. Uh, and Diamond also has the exclusive rights to distribute their books in the UK and Ireland through their UK uh, division as well. And of course, as we mentioned on the last time, Diamond handles free comic book day and that is uh, postponed as well. But there may be some more hope on the horizon because Diamond did recently update their plans via the Hollywood Reporter's Heat Vision blog and have told retailers that they plan to restart new shipments of new products by the end of May giving a mid-to-late May estimate for restarting shipments. They're monitoring the situation and trying to find a balance between managing health and safety concerns, meeting the demand for products while also working with different retailers with ever-changing needs and different schedules. So, hopefully we won't see any more radical delays or changes to the release schedules of major manga publishers, but of course, we will be sure to keep you updated if there are any follow-ups to the situation by the time we do our next news round. So, again... With Diamond kind of delaying their shipment of new books and whatnot, that affects a couple of companies. Dark Horse has been affected. They are reducing their slate in the next coming months. They're going to allow returns up to 90 days after the on-sale date due to the effect of the virus. But yeah, their stuff is delayed. And also Yen Press is delaying and rescheduling the print and digital releases of several of their books. And they are refraining from announcing any September releases and titles scheduled for April have shipped as planned, but volumes that were scheduled for May to August are being redistributed through April, and they're planning to reduce their release date for the next upcoming months. So press announced that they have halted all physical productions, so they aren't releasing any physical books. And Digital Manga Inc. announced that basically all aspects of their One News 3 Kickstarter campaign have been delayed. So I am quite glad I got my book uh, before they put the kibosh on that. Also on the subject of DMI, like they fired their campaign manager. So <laughs> that the whole thing is a wow. mess. And her like last post was like, hey, you know, I've been fired. So if you got any complaints, uh, here's the email of the company president. Send all your complaints to him. And so they had to do a follow up post. I don't know who posted the follow up, but they were like, uh, don't don't email the company president. Just keep it here to this Kickstarter page, please, please. <laughs> oh, that was a amusing mess. Seven wow, Seas wow. is another distributor that has been affected. They are basically shopping all shipping of new titles in their ghost print you know, lineup because that's, again, being distributed by Diamond. So those aren't coming out. But because, you know, regular Seven Seas releases are distributed by Macmillan, you know, April books came out on time, but future books are going to have to be delayed. Almost all of their May books have been delayed. They've got new dates out, and they are not quite sure about stuff in the summer and fall quite yet. Uh, they're planning to keep an ebook program running, 
even if paperback editions are delayed, but it is very likely print editions are going to be delayed for those titles. Then let's get on to the subject of Kadansha, which has changed their on-sale date for most of their spring and summer titles. So, you know, they didn't make the decision lightly, but again, yeah, you can look at their schedule on their website. They posted the schedule of their new release dates, but a lot of stuff was like shuffled around because of this. And Tokyo Pop sort of rounding out Beast Publisher delays. Yeah, they also had to delay all their print releases for April and May into, you know, later dates. And they don't anticipate delays of their June and beyond releases, but that's also very likely. And they're also offering free chapters or entire volumes of some of their manga on their site. Uh, Zigil downloads until the end of April, so if you want to check out some of their books just for free, uh, you have still a few more days to do that. But yeah. Pretty much all publishers have been affected by this uh, in terms of their ability to print and ship books or the ability to even produce and work on books. So you should expect like a massive reduction in titles being reduced and a lot of titles like being delayed a couple of months. I wonder if this will affect like, like licensing new titles as well. I, I can only imagine it'll do so. I think it will. I think they may abstain from some announcements if they are able to. There may be some contractual things that will, you know, force them to announce certain things at certain times. That will remain to be seen, but it is very likely that they probably won't, you know, do a whole lot of news about that, at least. Anything they announce that they've licensed, it is not going to come out for a while. I think yep. like their entire production timeline has to be completely rethought, since like there's a whole lot of factors they don't know about right now about like when the pandemic will be under control and when like kind of life will resume as normal. So they have to keep that into account. So they can't uh, really make any concrete plans for everything anymore they have to like take it on like a month by month basis now mm -hmm. but now we're gonna get into some delays of like conventions and other events anime nort was cancelled and that is rescheduled for next year uh, and anime frontier has been cancelled that's rescheduled for next year comic market is cancelled after like four straight days of record pandemic cases in Tokyo so that's no longer happening either probably to return next year and Japan in general has you know started to be a little stricter about policing the pandemic you know they've extended their entry ban to other countries like the US China South Korea and most of Europe denying entry into Japan for anyone coming from those countries uh, they expanded the state of emergency to nationwide for, like, all prefectures. They've even delayed the Olympics. That's gonna come out in 2021 now. For the first time in maybe ever, the Olympics has been delayed. And it's gonna come out, like, a year later than usual. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that kind of shows you how big a deal this is. Uh, like such a monumental event 
has been affected too. But yeah, it's serious times. But also on the subject of other anime-related things being postponed, we've got a lot. Uh, in terms of films, the Violet Evergarden film that was supposed to open up this month has been postponed to a yet undetermined date. Same is true of the Evangelion film that everyone was so, 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 so looking forward to finally coming out after so many years in June. That is also indefinitely delayed. And even now, uh, stuff that is airing in the spring season, that is unlikely to keep happening. Well, we have to be postponed quite a bit. Because we got several announcements just recently that stuff like the fifth season of Shokugeki no Soma Food Wars and then uh, Millionaire Detective Afare Ranman, all of those shows are going on hiatus after their third episode. Episodes for me on are postponed until further notice. So those shows might not finish this season. They might have to be pushed back to another season entirely depending on how production those shows work out. Not only have seasonal shows been affected, but long-running series that almost never go off air have been forced to go on hiatus too. We're talking series that have been running for over 20 years without break like One Piece and Pokemon, and long-running series like the new Digimon and Boruto. One Piece is being rerun from the beginning of the Wano Arc, episode 892, while Pokemon is being run, run from the beginning of his latest series and Boruto from episode 1. Gijuan, meanwhile, has been taking an off-air completely and replaced by Gigi no Kitaro reruns. Interestingly, these shows being taken off-air doesn't necessarily mean that production on these shows has stopped to slow down at all. As One Piece animator Henry Thurlow expressed surprise at the announcement on Twitter, saying that his deadlines haven't changed, and while they may get more time for retakes because of this, it probably won't affect much else on the animator side of production. It seems that this break in broadcasting for these shows, in particular, is to protect the voice actors, and recording is what is taking a break more than any other part of the production process, which is ironic considering almost at the same time this hiatus announcement was made, uh, the Boruto anime announced that they have cast Kenjiro Suda as playing Jigen in the next arc of Boruto, so who knows if they still plan to record more remotely and slowly if Funimation's been doing with MHA or what. But regardless, we don't know how long these shows are going to be on break, whether they will rerun for the full length of where they were starting from before continuing, which I think is a more likely possibility for One Piece of Pokemon to be reruns for 20 to 30 weeks as opposed to Bordeaux being rerun for its full 150 episode count. But we will monitor the situation, and I'm sure the studios will make an announcement when they can about when the shows will be resuming. Of course, the shows we just talked about are far from the only ones to be affected by the pandemic, but to list all the cancellations and postponements would take forever, considering literally dozens of productions have been impacted and the list grows day by day. Instead, we will link you guys to Anon's handy news roundup list on all the anime and manga affected by the pandemic for you to prefer and check out for yourselves. But considering animator Eiichi Kubuyama recently tweeted that he feels that even the July anime season's happening seems hopeless at this point, and that there is speculation that shows in the summer and fall seasons will indeed be delayed or postponed, I think it's fair to predict that most anime productions are going to be delayed or postponed for the long haul these next couple of months. Wow. So, yeah, it's uh, affecting a lot. 
And it's still affecting kind of like the English production side of things too, of course, because Crunchyroll has paused all their dubs of their shows. So Inspector, Science Fell in Love, which so I tried to prove it's among the force spirit, and Welcome to Demon School Arumakan, all those dubs have been paused. So they're not really going to be releasing more dub episodes of those anytime soon. The production on their Konosuba film dub is also paused. And, yeah, a lot of stuff has been affected at postpone until further notice, but, you know, some people have figured out or, or have been trying to continue working on things bit by bit. Funimation is one of those companies. They have actually resumed production on the My Hero Academia dub. They released episode 84 and people you know listened to it and it was still pretty good they found like a good production process with everyone just like working from home and recording their audio from home and then just like uh, compiling it all together so you know there's a little bit of clipping issues but overall it came out pretty well so that dub is continuing they can finish out the season finish out the tanami broadcast and uh, speaking of tanami Something really exciting is that they are bringing back a classic in Misty's Times. And actually, a series that is very appropriate for the time, considering is about paranoia and fear and societal pressures. Paranoia Agent Satoshi Kon's magnum opus, his classic TV anime, that is returning to Adult Swim for the first time in, geez, uh, I think the last time it was like 2007 they aired this on Adult Swim. So yeah, 13 years. For the first time, 13 years, Paranoia Agent returns to broadcast TV in the U.S. on Adult Swim. Debuting on Tanami in the 1 a.m. time slot, replacing Food Wars as that goes on break for a bit until they negotiate the rights to Season 3 and beyond. And yeah, I rewatched Paranoia Agent when Funimation uh, relicensed it and added it to their service earlier this year. And it was super great to revisit that show again because I hadn't watched it in like 10 years. So... That was a lot of fun, and I'm really excited to see more people rediscover the series now that it's returning to Denami. It's a fantastic, fantastic series. I've actually never seen Paranoia Agent, so I may watch this on TV. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about recording it on my DVR. Everything Satoshi Khan ever directed is a masterpiece, so yeah, I, I mean, mean, if I you agree. have not watched it yet, you definitely should, because Paranoia Agent is just a fantastic fantastic series it may be maybe his best work i mean it's definitely up there with perfect blue in terms of the same kind of uh, psychological horror uh, examination of societal pressures and traumas so really really interesting awesome stuff well i can't wait to start watching it soon but speaking of things that are interesting and awesome, G-Kids made a really, really cool announcement, and that is they are licensing and releasing Loop on the Third, the first, the latest Loop on the Third theatrical feature, the old CG one, into theaters. They say later this year, I don't know if they will be able to do it later this year, but they are planning to open it in theaters with both subs and dub. So... Really, really excited for that. Like, everything I've seen about that film looked absolutely fantastic in terms of animation style. And the ability to see the a new Lupin film in theaters? Yeah, I am so down for that. I'm so excited for that. The last time I was able to see Lupin in theaters was Castle of Gagliostro. 
three years ago doing that fandom event screening. So this is really, really awesome. And I hope they get like the cast that they have been using for discotech stubs of the series and specials and stuff like that's my favorite cast you know tony oliver zupon richard epcar as jegan you know so hopefully they get those casts for the dub of this film too Mm -hmm. i agree i don't know i don't know what the end of the year is going to look like so like anything can happen unfortunately but like if they manage to put this out in theaters at the end of the year I'll, i'll definitely go see it so what a treat that would be, like, this being, like, one of the first films to see after this all passes. That would be nice. That'd be really wonderful. But speaking of G-Kids, they are also very wonderfully offering a lot of the films in their catalog for free if you have a library card, because they're all streaming on Canopy. And Canopy, of course, is a service where if you are affiliated with a library or university, you can go to their site and watch a bunch of films for free on there and so yeah you if you you know have like a library card if you have like a university card you can head on there and watch a bunch of their films uh mostly non-animated or rather non-anime films some of the anime films they have on there include patema inverted and welcome to the space show but they have a lot of really wonderful films uh, part of this cat in paris uh, oh, Letter to Momo is also a great anime film. But they have Cat in Paris, Chico and Rita, Ernest and Celestine. Oh, King of Dream Madness is uh, the Hayao Miyazaki documentary. That's uh, really, really interesting. And actually, speaking of Hayao Miyazaki documentaries, NHK World has got you covered if you're looking for more of those. Because they are offering their 10 years with Hayao Miyazaki 4 pot documentary uh, on their NHK World website for free. And yes, that is in a couple different languages, including an English dub. So you can watch this documentary with an English dub. It's like a four-part series. Each one is like 50 minutes long. So quite extensive look into the life of Hayao Miyazaki. So very, very cool of them to offer this. And I definitely want to check that more out later as well. But uh, before we go into some more other anime news i think i do want to bring up kind of another somber piece of news that doesn't have to do with anything related to the pandemic or all but it's just like a sad passing of like a really beloved voice actor which was keiji fujiwara who is best known for playing really iconic characters like mace hughes and fma leorio and hunter hunter perhaps his most popular and iconic character in japan was hiroshi in shinchan uh shinchan slaughter so you know he was a really incredibly talented voice actor we have an ad movies episode on the wonderland coming out which is a recent film by keiji hara and he played the antagonist in that film and one of the interesting things about that casting was that you know the antagonists were like him keiji fujiwara as like the lead character and then the the his sidekick was like the voice of shin chan so it was like kind of an interesting recontextualization of that dynamic which i thought was very amusing so yeah that was the last thing i heard him in so it's very sad to hear that keiji fujiwara has passed oh yeah i mean personally i i knew him from a lot of those roles along with you know uh hatori zenzo from uh, from gintaba our favorite hemorrhoid ninja, <laughs> who I absolutely love that character. 
and uh, I, I love a lot of his roles as well. Like Keiji Fujiwara just had that really nice, like sort of gravelly but laid back kind of yeah. voice that I loved hearing from all of his characters, and I think. I, like, his voice, I think, gave a lot of his roles, like, some real personality, and I just, it's it's really sad to see that uh, that he's passed away. This hurts me personally as much as uh, when uh, Ishizuka passed away as well, the voice of uh, older Joseph Joestar and the replacement voice of Mr. Satan in the Dragon Ball franchise. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really gonna miss Fujiwara, and uh, I guess I'll have to rewatch old episodes of Hunter x Hunter and Gintama to... You know, to to make it feel like he's still with us, you know? You know, like, as as far as, like, voice actors go, I think that's, that's like a silver lining in whenever they pass away, is that, you know, they always leave something behind, you know? There's still a ton of work that, you know, they've left behind for other people to see, which is always good, so. Mm -hmm. They live on in their work, which is Mm -hmm. always really nice. But to break from the sad stuff and to get on the subject of more uplifting news, let's talk about some classic toy anime being streamed legally. The first one we'll mention is Sailor Moon, whose classic episodes from the first three seasons are going to be released officially on the Sailor Moon YouTube channel in batches of 10 episodes every week beginning on April 24th through July 23rd in anticipation for the new movies focused on the Dreams arc. Supposedly still coming out in September, though frankly those movies are probably going to be delayed, but still it is cool to see Sailor Moon is going to be streaming free and legally on YouTube and hopefully there'll be English subs available and it'll be open for international fans to check out. But speaking of classic anime being made available free and legally on easily accessible platforms, Netflix has added the final 41 episodes of Saint Seiya, so for the first time ever, Ola Saint Seiya is legally available in North America. The entire anime, past the Sanctuary arc, you can watch finally, dubbed even, and so that is really, really awesome. I can't wait to dig into the Asgard arc and the Sidon arc in the anime. So yeah, that's super, super cool. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to maybe starting the Saint Seiya anime after I get far enough... Uh you know, into the manga through the Manga Mavericks book club at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Good plug. Thank you. I've <laughs> had years of practice. Uh, so I've said it on, I think it was on the last episode of the episode before that, that we recorded that uh, I'm, I'm at the point where like, I'm looking up all the Saint Sale like spinoff anime and like finding where to watch them because like, I think this is a franchise I really want to dig into at some point. If that tells you anything about how I'm enjoying Saint Seiya so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Saints yeah, is so much fun, and there's so much out there, a lot to love and watch. And I don't, I don't know if this is a pipe dream or if maybe there are like, you know, different specific rights to this or whatnot. But I'm hoping maybe Netflix picks up the OVA series that covers like the last arc from the manga. That would be nice. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how likely that is. But it, it is nice to at least have all the TV series up, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, can I please make this next announcement? This is one really close to my heart and one I've been waiting for for I think seven years at this point. Yeah, definitely go for it. But first, actually, uh, just briefly to mention another 
a huge con cancellation, uh, San Diego Comic-Con, not happening this year. And I'm cutting in from the future here, but ironically, mere hours after San Diego Comic-Con's cancellation and ANN released an article explaining why Anime Expo hadn't announced their cancellation yet, Anime Expo finally confirmed that they are cancelled this year and will be rescheduling for next year. Refunds are going to be issued for people or they can choose whether to have their balances roll over for next year's badges instead, and hotel block reservations are going to be cancelled and refunded as well. Both the San Diego Comic-Con and Anime Expo cancellations follow LA Mayor Eric Garcetti's announcement on the 15th that LA would ban large gatherings until 2021 because of the pandemic, and that future large public event gatherings would be forbidden until the vaccine or herd immunity to coronavirus was developed. Realistically, I'd advise everyone to scrap their summer con plans this year, because no matter where you are, until this pandemic passes, nothing but the sort is going to be allowed to happen. Heck, I have serious doubts that the fall and winter cons are going to be happening this year, and depending on how things go, we might not even get an AX or a San Diego Comic Con next year. But like all pandemic-related news, we are going to keep you updated on the situation as it develops, but uh, yeah, let's steer back to more positive news and talk about stuff that actually will be happening after a long, long time. Punching me down so I could so I could just bring myself back up. I mean, rising up from the ashes, a series that we thought would never return. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, speaking of, it was announced officially on the... Uh, again, redundant. Officially on the official Twitter account for Tiger and Bunny that uh, Tiger and Bunny is getting a second season and that it will be premiering in 2022. Uh, it is entitled Tiger and Bunny 2, perfectly enough, and it will be set after the events of the last movie, Tiger and Bunny, the movie The Rising, which, uh, compared to the first movie, was actually a continuation of some sorts, whereas the first movie, I think, was just a compilation with like some new stuff added in there. I never really watched it myself, but... Oh, you never watched the last movie? No, the last movie I did watch. I'm, I'm saying i never seen the first one. Oh, the first one, that was like half a retelling of the show, and then they did like its own thing to tie it all together? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So I, I never really bothered watching that, that first one. Maybe I'll go back and watch it. I don't know. But uh, who, who cares? All I care about is that we're finally getting a season two of Tiger and Bunny... And maybe, hopefully, we can finally get into that goddamn post credit scene at the end of the first series that's always riled me <laughs> up. I was so upset when I saw that the first time. Maybe we'll get something on that, I don't know. Which, by the way, I, I rewatched the series on Netflix a couple years back, and if I remember correctly, I think they took that post credit scene out, or it wasn't included. I might have to double-check on that, but... I definitely remember the first time watching it. I watched it through Hulu, and I remember vividly, like, like some kid buying a trading card, and, like, I think he dropped his money or something, and then it turned out, like, the insignia of the Ouroboros was included on, the, on that dollar bill or something, basically telling me that, like, there's still more bad guys out there to take care of. There's an entire organization still still controlling us from, from underground. And 
boy, that really just fired me up the first time I saw that. Like, oh, it's not over. <laughs> well, I hope this gets a season two in the next 10 years. But yeah, it is definitely happening. I can't wait for this to come out. Uh, ho- hopefully by 2022, all of this stuff will be over and I can finally watch the season two I've been wanting for a long time. Oh, yeah. This is really, really exciting. I mean, man, it felt like we were never going to get like a proper continuation of Tiger and Bunny. Like they made Double Decker as like a spinoff set in the universe. But now we're finally getting real official Tiger and Bunny back. Oh, man. D- Double Decker. I don't know how I thought this, but originally I thought that was going to somehow. I mean, clearly it is it is a spinoff of Tiger and Bunny, but for some reason I I thought that was going to be a season two. I'm not sure where I got that idea from, but when I first like watched the like first episode of that, I was I was really confused as to like what was going on and like clearly it was clearly in the style of Tiger and Bunny and is maybe set in the same universe city. I'm not entirely sure. I never really like. I didn't really watch past that first episode. I should probably go back and watch it. I hear it's I hear it's pretty okay on its own, but I don't know. For some reason, I thought that was going to be a season two, so I was very disappointed when I found out that I was very, very wrong. So I feel very vindicated that we're finally actually getting a season two for Tiger and Bunny. So mm-hmm. I will be vibrating in my seat until then. So Definitely. But speaking of anime that people have been waiting for for a long time that people have really wanted there was a recent poll that uh holds some choices that of manga people really wanted to see animated mm-hmm. so obviously anime japan was canceled and i guess this was going to be uh the third annual poll that uh they put together to to basically find out what what manga property fans want to see adapted into anime and it seems like uh, the voting process took place between February 1st and the 16th. Approximately 180,000 fans cast their votes. Basically, these were the top 10 choices. At uh, I guess we could start from the bottom up. Uh, at number 10 being uh, Chainsaw Man by Tatsuki Fujimoto. Obviously, what I think is probably one of Jump's best series currently running right now. It's definitely yeah. like... It's definitely one of, like, I say, like, the three series that, like, I really look forward to reading every week, along with My Hero Academia and Dr. Stone at this point. Mm-hmm. So, Chainsaw Man is one of those things where, like, I really hope, if if and when it gets an anime, that, you know, they really get, like, a real good staff behind, uh, behind the anime. One that allows Chainsaw Man's, like, unique presentation to show in animation because i feel like you really need to do something special as far as like the the actual presentation of a chainsaw man anime definitely uh and then next up we have the apothecary diaries by uh, natsu hyuga who is apparently the author of the novel with iki nano nanao being the author of the anime you mean manga oh sorry manga which basically is about a character who is a pharmacist from the Pleasure District who finds herself working as a servant in the palace of the Emperor. Uh, she hopes to quietly fulfill her contract at the palace without ever receiving a visit from the Emperor. As uh, she comes to discover that the Emperor's children suffer from short lifespans and begins to investigate the cause as the only two remaining royal children continue to get sicker. Uh, apparently, this manga is coming soon in English from Square Enix. Mm-hmm. Which just sounds like an interesting premise. Uh, and then at number eight, we have The Way of the House Husband from Kosuke Ono, which 
I mean, come on, duh. Like, this needs an anime. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people are already loving the manga, so I think... I mean, the manga is already kind of a viral hit, so the anime would really explode. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I really hope that when this does get an anime, that they continue to use Kenjiro Suda to voice uh, the main character as... Uh, I know that they've been using him for, like, live-action commercials for Way of the House Husband, which is pretty amazing. Uh, so I mm-hmm. hope that really carries over to the anime, because I love Kenjiro Suda and his voice, and he voices a lot of uh, a lot of really good characters, including Kaiba. And then at number seven, we have Tasuketsu from Taiga Mia, uh, Miyakawa, in which the synopsis is, uh, people have suddenly started disappearing. A mysterious self-proclaimed emperor gathers five people together through anonymous messages and has them participate in a game. Uh, participants answer the question, do you want to live or die? Uh, the game has only one rule, majority dies. So this sounds like a very Future Diary-esque series, almost like Future Diary, Battle Royale, that kind of thing. You know, I, I'm a sucker for these kinds of things, so like, I would totally, I would totally watch this. Oh yeah. Uh, and then at number six, we have uh, Act Dodge, Lum. Uh, I know one of your currently favorite running manga from Jump. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about Act Dodge a bit later, but yeah, I think it's really awesome to see that there's a lot of interest in seeing Act Dodge get animated. There's definitely enough material for it, and I think that it could only help like give it some even more well-deserved exposure. I'm going to assume an anime for that would really need some, like, good, specific character animation for that kind of thing. I think that the acting, especially, I mean, quite obviously, would also have to be really top-notch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, ex- expert character animation combined with incredible performances will really, really bring the series to life in a whole new medium. Mm-hmm. At number five, we have Spy Family from Tatsuya Endo. Like, yes, this needs an anime yesterday. Yeah, I mean, speaking of viral hits, yeah, this is an series that would be a sensation animated. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure it's because, like, the manga runs at, like, a chapter bi-weekly that, like, you know, there probably isn't enough to adapt it, but I... Yeah, it's only been running for a year. Mm-hmm. I think there's only, like, 20-something chapters out, but, like... I guarantee you, like, when this has enough material, like, they're gonna make an anime out of this, and I could see Spy Family, the anime, blowing up over here in the States, honestly. Definitely. Well, I don't know. Maybe to the level of, like, Demon Slayer, maybe maybe less than that, but it would definitely be a darling, that's for sure. And then we have, at number four, The Dangers in My Heart by Norio Sakurai, in which uh, Kiyotaro Ichikawa is at the very bottom of the cat is at the very bottom cast of his school, and he hides murderous impulse that lurks at the very bottom of his soul. So this sounds like a very, very troubling, heavy series, uh, just from the description alone. <laughs> sounds kind of depressing. Obviously, I've never heard of this one, but uh, clearly people want an anime of it, along with number three, at Onichan wa Oshimai by Neko Tofu, in which uh, Mahiro o- Oyama is a withdrawn young man whose life changes after he takes a sp- a suspicious medication that belongs to his sister. After taking the medication, he wakes up and discovers he's transformed into a girl. Uh, Mahiro doesn't know the next thing about the lives of girls. So this this sounds uh, like a, uh, obviously a, a gender-bending Freaky Friday kind of thing, which I don't know if I'm into that kind of thing in particular, just speaking personally, but maybe it's cute enough or something. Like, 
again, it's it's very high up on the list, so apparently people very much want it. The second one sounds a little more up my alley, I think. Uh, my new boss is Goofy from Dan Ichikawa, in which a 26-year-old office worker, Momose, uh, recently changed jobs after his previous boss harassed him. He's worried about his new boss, will also use his power harassment to make his life miserable. Uh, Momose is trying to hide his anxious anxious stomach uh, when he first meets his new boss, uh, Shirasaki. However, he's surprised to find his new boss is such a natural airhead that he eliminates all of Momose's anxiety. Very disappointed that his boss is not actually Goofy, the Disney <laughs> character. I want to read a BL manga about Boss Goofy and his Kohai. See, now, I, that would only work for me if Goofy was with another Goofy. I don't think I really want to see Goofy with, like, like a human. Uh, sure, I mean, you could set it in, like, the world of Goof Troop or whatever, with all the anthropomorphic whatever you call them, you know? <laughs> that, that, that's the only way I'd be okay with that, personally. Goofies and humans should not be together. That's my, that's my hot take. <laughs> Anyway, at, at number one, it comes to no surprise to any of us with Komi Can't Communicate from Tomohito Oda. I know a lot of people want to see this animated. It's very interesting to kind of wonder why this hasn't been animated yet. Yeah, I have to wonder why yeah. Shigakukan is holding out. Like, Komi is so clearly, obviously, incredibly popular. An anime would only help increase its profile, so what's going on? I mean, I Sleepy know. Princess is getting an anime, but Komi hasn't. Hmm. I mean, I know that Bomber is frustrated about that. <laughs> a lot of fans are, so hopefully it will one of these days, though. I hope for Bomber's sake, Comey does get an anime at some point so that people will stop asking him when Comey's going to get animated, because apparently <laughs> people think that he like works for uh, Shonen Sunday and Shigaku Khan, which is not the case. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. But yeah, I uh, a lot of uh, interesting titles on the list. I obviously, like, I agree with all the, uh, I guess, the licensed titles that we know of getting animes. I would love to see animes for all of those. But uh, even the series I haven't heard of that I don't think are licensed here, I would probably also watch as well. Most of them, anyway. But, uh, yeah, I think this is a pretty interesting list of, like, what people want animated, that's for sure. Definitely. And now we are getting to some polls that are also really cool, but you can vote on them. So, yeah, that's pretty sweet. The first of these is a new NHK poll for Evangelion. Previously, they've done stuff like Rumiko Takahashi and Final Fantasy. This time's Evangelion. Still have a few days left to vote on this one. It closed on April 29th. But, indeed, uh, you can vote for your favorite Evangelion character, quote from the show, and they have, like, a lot of quotes from the show. Like, you'll have to dig through. They chose any line remotely memorable or iconic. Uh, you can vote for your favorite Ava and your favorite Angel. So, not too many categories for this one in contrast to some of the other ones, but still plenty of options to choose from. A lot to vote on. In fact, the interim results for the Evangelion poll are already out. We've got the tentative ranks for the character popularity poll from spots 4 to 10. And a select few of the top ranking lines revealed. Well, I mean, we've only got a few lines revealed. The 11th, 15th, and 18th place ones. And they're all from the rebuild films. 
One for each of the films so far, and they are, in 11th place, Fodder. I'm the Ava Playa Shinji Ikari, which was, of course, said by Shinji in Evangelion 2.0. In 15th place, we've got It's Fun, I Was Born to Meet You, by Kaoru from Evangelion 3.0. And in 18th place, we've got Baiting at the Laundry of Life, by Misato from Evangelion 1.0. And uh, honestly, I don't remember any of these, the one in 11th. Place sounds particularly generic, but maybe the final results will place these lines in context, and I'll remember why they're significant or amusing. But for the character poll, we've actually got some interesting results, because let's start off from bottom to top here. And tenth, we've got Maya Ibuki, our lesbian rip of choice, but she's beat out by Bad Dad Gad, Gendo Akari at number 9, who himself was bowled over by Penguin Pet Pen Pen coming at number 8, who got cheated by Womanizer Kaji coming in at number 7, who himself was outshined with the rebuild films OC, Ava Pilot, Do Not Steal, Marimaki Nami, illustrious and present just outside the top 5 at number 6, but she's thankfully beat out by Best Girl Millennium Icon Misato, coming in at number 5. Well, surprisingly, our MC main character, Shinji Akari, has simply ran away from the top students, hanging back in the safety of base number 4. Obviously, I think that very clearly <laughs> leaves Rei, Asuka, and Kaoru in some combination in the top three. And while I am surprised that Kaoru is seemingly more popular than Shinji Masato, I still expected him to be in the top five anyway. Anyway, the character that I'm most surprised is ranking in the top ten is Ritsuko. Considering how major a character she is, I consider her one of like, the main, main characters. I mean, Pen Pen ranks higher than her than even the likes of her and... Fuyutsuki and Toji, like those are much more major characters. I mean, really, but you know, I know he's a cute penguin mascot and all. I'm just dumbfounded people like him and Gendo. Gendo, the most despicable character in the series, more than them. But hey, these are just the interim results, so we'll see how things switch up by the find the final polls tally. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the full list when they come out. Mm-hmm. And there was also a na- we got an act age poll. Uh, the results of that and the comparisons between the Japanese and the English results are quite interesting. So, in terms of the Japanese results, we can start off there, counting up from 10 to 1. Hanako came in at number 10 with about 2,900 votes. I like seeing some love for Hanako. I voted her as one of my favorite antagonists and the best of manga pod for last year so glad to see that japanese fans at least really really enjoy her takamitsu came in at number nine with a 3262 votes he also had some really great moments in the princess iron fan arc so that was a good showing for him glad to see him be so popular kuroyama comes in at 3422 votes yeah, you know, a lot of people were surprised Kuriyama, considering he's like the lead director or like the most prominent director in the series, that he's pretty low, but, you know, he's also not in the story as much as a lot of the other characters. But yeah, people are up and down on Kuriyama, but he's still quite popular. At uh, 7, we've got Riku Ogawa. Now, Riku, I was surprised, did not make the top 10, considering his whole character is that he's so handsome and beloved in series, and he has the kind of personality you think fans would go crazy for. 
but he doesn't quite edge into the top five. He's here at number seven with about 4,400 votes. Uh, then we got Hiragi, Kurama's existence. It's quite amusing that she ranks higher than Kurama himself, but she comes in at number six, just outside the top five, with about 5,583 votes. And then we get into the top five, and the trend here, I feel, is that the the Night on the Galactic Railroad arc was the most popular arc, considering a lot of the characters in the top five, or at least numbers five, four, and three are the most prominent in that arc. Uh, because at number five, we've got Sanzaka, and she was, of course, like, you know, one of the lead actors in the whole Avow Teeter Troop studio. She had some really great moments. Then we've got No Akira at number four. Uh, and Akira's biggest moments were definitely in that arc where he, like, really kind of came to terms that he's not quite as great an actor as the others, but, like, he definitely gave his all and gave a really great performance. And then. We've got Araya at number three, of course, like the eccentric, very talented actor. He is at 8,621 votes. And not only was he, of course, in that arc, he was also very prominent in the Princess Iron fan arc. So he remains, of course, one of the most consistently popular characters. And yeah, uh, we got to our top two now. And so surprisingly... K is not number one. She is only number two, about 29,420 votes. As the winner, it seems like Boat in the Monk and in real life, uh, Momoshiro is the winner because Yoko is number one at 35,564 votes. Boat in story, Chiyoko wins, and in real life, Chiyoko wins. So definitely most popular character in Japan. For Octage, but not in uh, North America for English language readers, because in the English popularity poll results, Kay does come out on top. She is the first ranked most popular character, where Chiyoko comes in number two. Araya is still number three, and then from there we got some interesting differences. Koryama is more popular with English readers. He ranks at number four, whereas he ranked at number eight in Japanese poll. Akira ranks just a little bit lower at number five. Riku ranks just a little bit higher at number six. Takamitsu ranks a few bases higher at number seven. And then we got a few interesting additions that are not in the Japanese top ten. Uh, we got Arada, who is uh, one of the members of the cinema club in K-School one of her friends. This is a big jump from where he was in the Japanese poll because he was only number 24 in the Japanese poll, but much more popular with English readers. Ariza, the main manager at Stars, is also highly ranked in the English poll. She comes in at number 9, whereas in the Japanese poll, she also isn't that high ranking. She's only 25. And finally, Hina, another member of the Cinema Club, and arguably Kay's best friend, comes at number 10, whereas she was only number 14 in the Japanese poll. So for some very interesting results for the Act-Age character popularity poll, uh, some surprises in terms of differences between English and Japanese poll results. I think I like uh, both results. I mean, I like all the characters. But yeah, interesting to see which characters uh, English readers prefer because Japanese readers preferred. And wonder, it'd be amusing in story in terms of like the results of 
like what audience preferred in terms of whose performance of Princess Iron Fan was better. If like Japanese viewers enjoyed Chiyoko's performance more and English viewers enjoyed Kei's performance more, like in story, that'd be kind of amusing way to kind of incorporate these results into the story itself. But yeah, uh, that was some interesting poll results. Looking forward to seeing the Chainsaw Man and the Black Culver character popularity poll results. Whenever those come out soon, I will enjoy seeing, uh, checking in on these. And yeah, that was a lot of fun. And that actually wraps up the show for today. We close off, we covered all the news. But before we quite wrap up, we have some a few community shoutouts that I want to give out. Uh, first... I wanted to just shout out our good friend, the Black Manga Critic's new Patreon. He's recently set that up. He's got some cool tier options, and he has a lot of exclusive manga reviews that he plans to do exclusively for his Patreon. And so if you're interested in checking out his content, he does some great stuff. He makes some great videos and always has incredible conversations about series. Definitely check that out and give that some love and support. We'll link that in the description. And then in terms of some other things that I really enjoyed recently, uh, Kaiser Neko, Scott Frerichs, he made a B-Stars video that is really amusingly edited, really explores, like, the appeal of the series pretty succinctly and funny, but, like, just uh, Kaiser's editing on this is just amazing, and it was just a really funny thing to watch, so I definitely want to recommend that. Also, something in terms of, like, the structure of the content was really enjoyable to me that I enjoyed a lot was a article on ANN by Nicholas Dupree uh, on Twitter. They go by Lost Eve. They wrote an article about the final arc of Food Wars titled How Food Wars Lost Its Flavor, basically going into like what went wrong with it, why people came out of it so cold. And I really just like the structure of it. I love the how... They managed to incorporate so many food puns and cooking puns into the script of this article. It's just, I really enjoy the way it's written. I really enjoy the structure of it. Like, they have it structured as, like, a horse menu in terms of, like, each of their arguments of, like, the points of why the final arc went awry. It's just delightfully written. I really enjoy reading that one. And then finally, I want to shout out a recent episode of the Animation Animals Podcast, Shouting AF, where they recommended some comedy manga, which, you know, everyone could use a good pick-me-up in terms of some lighthearted reads to give a good laugh in these times. It can be quite troubling. And they make some great suggestions that I wholeheartedly endorse as well, like Satoko and Nagata and Way of the House Husband and Please Tell Galko Shan, as well as recommend the lawsuits that I have been wanting to check out and really hope to check out soon, like Monthly Girls, Nozaki-kan, and Orisama Teacher. So, yeah, those are some really entertaining content that I want to shout out by really wonderful creators. So, yeah, definitely check them out. Alright, but, uh, yeah, I, I think let's get about do it for this episode. Again, another another huge news-filled episode that, uh, uh, that we kind of had to do because there's, there's just so much to talk about, but, uh, I think we had a pretty good episode. We, we, you know, again, the the world is what it is right now, but, you know, we still had a lot of uh, interesting and fun news to talk about, which is nice. I think we had yeah. a pretty good balance. We managed to stay actually under the time that we had planned for, so that is actually quite an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think this was a good check-in, and I am 
interested in uh, how much news we'll have to cover next time. Hopefully, we'll also be able to have a manageable amount that we won't have to, you know, go even longer on because those are always very troublesome. But yeah, uh, that about does it for this week's episode, this week's news roundup, and we will see you in our next episode. And so now, I guess we'll just to let everyone know where they can find us. And I guess I'll start off. You can find me at Lonromayasha on Twitter and on places like Annie and Animation Revelation, wherever there's a Lonromayasha, that's where you can find me. And you can also read my longer reviews on onlinechicago.com. We've got a lot of books coming in, a lot of reviews going out, so definitely check out all that stuff. And of course, look forward to more Lum Squad now that the show is returning. And we've got new episodes coming out every month, hopefully, from now on. So I'm really excited to resume that show again. Talk about Yuri Siata with my good friend AC again. And yeah, it's going to be a darling time. So check that out as well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really happy that Lum Squad's back. I'm, I'm happy you were able to get that off the ground. Uh, I still have that next episode to look forward to listening to. So uh, that ought to be fun. And so, yeah, please call follow all Lum stuff. Uh, they really deserve it. You know, I'm sure you could look forward to a, a lot, a lot of you know reviews from not just them, but also everyone else on uh, all comic who also writes manga reviews and whatnot. <laughs> just me and VR, basically. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. But still, you know, uh, I guess as as far as where you can find me, I'm Colton. You can find me on Twitter at SniperKing three two three. I also host and produce a few other podcasts on my own, which you can find links to over at ColtonCorner.wordpress.com. Uh, I have links to shows such as uh, Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast, uh, which is on a bit of a hiatus, along with uh, One Podcast Prevails, which is a podcast I record with my friend Doctor from the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast about Detective Conan or Case Closed, as we go through the manga for that. And, uh, you know, basically whatever else I record and produce, you can find links to over there. Again, that's at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. But as for uh, Manga Mavericks and All Comic, where you can find us... We post every episode of the Manga Mavericks podcast on all-comic.com. That's where we post every episode first. Unless you are a patron of ours at patreon.com slash manga mavericks, where basically if you sign up for our $2 tier, uh, you will get access to select edited episodes uh, when we have those edited, depending on our schedule. You know, hopefully we'll have one or two of those show up soon, possibly. Again, like I said, it really depends on our schedule and when we have them edited. But basically, it is your guys' best chance to listen to any particular episode early and whatnot if you really can't wait for us to post it on uh, allcomic.com. But you know what? If you if you want to subscribe for some new content, uh, you could sign up for a five dollar tier, uh, in which we basically post a bonus podcast, a newly recorded bonus podcast at the end of every month. Uh, right now, we are doing a series of podcasts called the Manga Mavericks Book Club, where we essentially take a manga that we have covered on the Manga Mavericks podcast proper and basically uh, take the chance to go through it and dissect it volume by volume. Uh, right now, we are covering the Saint Seiya manga, the original Saint Seiya manga from Masami Kuramada. I am reading that for the first time along with my, again, good friend of the show, Doctor, from the Ask Backwards Anime podcast. It's his first time reading through the manga as well. If you sign up for our Patreon right now, you can listen to us talk about the first four volumes uh, of the manga uh, at the end of this month here in April. 
Uh, we will be posting our thoughts on volumes five and six, which, boy, I won't say much, but boy, those were some crazy volumes. I will just say that. But if you want to hear us talk about uh, Saints Say even more, again, that's at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Please sign up. It's basically the best way for you guys to help support us in our, in our podcasting endeavors. And it's really the best way to support the show. But uh, as for everything else, you can follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. But if you want to follow Manga Mavericks specifically, you want to follow our uh, specific account at manga underscore mavericks on Twitter. Or you can visit us on Tumblr at mangamavericks.tumblr.com for all the latest updates on the podcast. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash manga mavericks, uh, where we post different excerpts of the podcast and whatnot, and uh, even some exclusive content every once in a while. Again, that's at youtube.com slash manga mavericks. Email us anything about manga you know, or the podcast over at mangamavericks at gmail.com. Do you have any thoughts on all the news we covered this episode? What are some manga that you're reading? What are some manga that you want us to read and talk about on the show? Again, email us anything about manga or the podcast. Email us and we'll read it on the show. Again, that's at mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts or really whatever podcast uh, listener catcher uh, that you listen to of choice you know just uh leave us a review leave us a rating uh it really helps the visibility of our show and really helps us uh get out there to more listeners and whatnot so uh we'd really appreciate that if you have the time uh but that's really gonna be about it for the episode uh again this has been the manga mavericks podcast at all-comic.com episode 116 And we will see you guys next time for episode 117. Bye, guys. Sayonara!